Welcome to the club no one ever wanted to join. This is Refused, the unofficial podcast of Eliasm.org. Having a tough time spelling that? It's an acronym for I Live in a Sexless Marriage. Listen to stories, articles, and sometimes the dark humor experienced by those in sexless marriages here on Refused. On Eliasm.org, you'll see much wiser people than me give advice on coping with sexless marriage. And you may see my less useful posts under the name Mirror Orchid. Until then, you've suffered enough. On with the show. This is the second of a six-part series which appeared on the Commercially Librarian blog in 2015. As a foreword for the purpose of pronoun simplicity, note that this post and the ones to follow are addressed to refused husbands. However, refused wives, if you are the one in your marriage who desires more sexual intimacy, please keep reading, because CSL, pretty much everything he's written applies to you as well. And as always, this caveat, CSL is unashamedly and unabashedly a conservative Christian, and what he writes reflects his belief. Forewarned is forearmed, and if that's too much to swallow, then please spare yourself any perturbation. No harm, no foul. Addressing the Sexless Marriage, Part 2. In my last post, I finished by saying that I would start discussing the talk. The sit-down, face-to-face, cards-on-the-table discussion in which the spouse who is dissatisfied with the intimacy in the marriage lays it all out. The first question to answer is if the talk is needed or not. In approaching the talk, history and circumstances come into play. If your marriage is only a few years old and much of the blame can be attributed to a newborn or two, and if the wife is good-hearted and generous, then the talk could be nothing more than a, hon, we need to look at our marriage, see where we can improve. If, however, refusal is deeply entrenched, then the talk may be the only way out of it. Before I begin, I need to define two terms. In discussing sexless marriages, there are two terms commonly used, both of which upset the spouse to whom they apply, by the way. The terms are refuser and gatekeeper. First, the refuser. This is just what you would expect, given the name. The refuser basically has shut down most, if not all, sex in the marriage with no input from or care for the other. Celibacy is the watchword of this marriage. It's not uncommon to hear of a husband or wife who says that they haven't had sex in years. The spouse with the libido in the family may want sex two to five times a week, but be lucky to get a grudging toss in the hay once every month or three, or once every other year or three. Then there is the gatekeeper. This person isn't a refuser per se, but has so many rules and regulations, stipulations, whys, wherefores, and requirements that sex, if it occurs at all, seems to be due to some ineffable quality that seemingly can't be duplicated ever again. The result is that the one who is gatekept isn't sure when sex does manage to occur how it even came about. Quite often, gatekeepers have requirements that limit sex. No lights, no noise, missionary only, not until the children are asleep, never in the morning, not on nights Seinfeld and Friends reruns are on, etc. The spouse of a gatekeeper begins to wonder maybe if he held his mouth just the right way, or if he said pretty please with sugar on top, 
with just the right wheedle or quaver in his voice, it might improve his chances of getting lucky tonight. Speaking of Seinfeld, CSL says that he was originally proofreading his post and going over this section, the image of the soup Nazi came to mind. He thinks that the soup Nazi is a fitting image for the gatekeeper. No six for you! In addition to the two terms, there are two attitudes that might indicate the necessity for having the talk. The first is the refuser gatekeeper's perception of sex. Is sex used as reward and punishment? Is sexual intimacy something that the other spouse has to earn or be deemed worthy enough to be indulged? Is sexual intimacy, indeed any intimacy at all, something to be doled out only when noblesse oblige dictates? For that matter, does the refuser gatekeeper view sex as disgusting, vile, and filthy, and why do you want to have sex anyway, perv? You get my drift. The desire for sex with his, her spouse is somewhat akin to the desire to muck out the stables or sanitize the bathroom. The second attitude or mindset occurs in the refused gatekept spouse. That is, am I going to get lucky tonight? When a husband or wife feels like their chances for sex are about on par with teenagers looking to score, something's wrong. Some years ago, there was a two-day kerfuffle on the internet over a guy who sent his wife an email with a spreadsheet that contained all of the wife's excuses for not having sex. While many were saying the guy was a jerk for keeping track, more people came to his defense. The wife was a gatekeeper, as was ably demonstrated by the guy's catalog of his wife's excuses. Yeah, the general consensus was that the guy was a jerk for emailing the spreadsheet to his wife just as she was leaving for a business trip, but reading his spreadsheet? Again, yeah, a lot of people recognize gatekeeping in data format. I believe that it comes down to this. If you feel that the default mode for your spouse is no, be it through refusal or gatekeeping, then it's time to look at intimacy in the marriage and figure out what's wrong and how do we fix it and start planning for the talk. Okay, now for the shot across the bow. The shot across the bow is a letter that was written by a husband to his wife when the two of them were going through a rough patch in their marriage. This was shared on a Christian marriage forum called The Marriage Bed, and the writer of the letter, who used the screen name of Job, gave me permission to share this on my blog and in this podcast. This letter was shared on the forum about a decade ago, so the events and discussion between Job and his wife Sarah, not their real names, occurred about 15 years ago. This is one man's sit-down with his wife to address the fact that the default in their marriage bed was set at no. Here's Job's entire post. Be forewarned, it's long. So realize that until you hear me say, end quote, it's all Job. Quote, it was about three years ago. Communication and intimacy were breaking down in our marriage. My dear Sarah and I, had always had a policy of no refusal, unless for a seriously good reason. Sarah had recently begun redefining seriously good reason to include, I'm tired, or it's late, or the bills aren't paid yet, you look busy with your book over there, and now I need to make tomorrow's shopping list. In real life, these were bogus claims, so I made a real attempt to come to terms with her and help her out more, etc., but she had fallen prey to the sex is too much bother idea. I worked on this for about two years, I think. Time starts to blur here. 
I had many talks with her, to no effect. Finally, I took her aside for a meeting one day. No romance was on the agenda. I sat her down and told her, My dear wife, I'm going to expose all my cards here and put myself at a place of vulnerability, but also, I have a serious message to deliver to you. Her eyes got big. Honey, I am unhappy in her rea in our marriage. Her reaction? Go. Now, here's where I show you my cards. I'm going to tell you my negotiating position. I'm totally committed to this marriage. I will never, ever leave you. That's not the man I am. I'm not threatening you with anything because I have no intention of following through on any kind of ultimatum that involves me leaving you. Just not going to happen. If you and I come to no agreement today, you will still have me as your committed husband until one day one of us dies. Big sigh of relief from her. Tension level goes down. But honey, I am not a happy husband. You have my body and support until I die. But you are losing my heart. This is not the marriage we both committed to. If you have rebuke for me, I am all ears. I want to be the best husband for you that I can be. You can lay it on me, and I will not resist, but will redouble my efforts. I will withhold nothing from you. I will give up anything that you feel is needed. You just say the word, but if you will permit me now to state my own complaint to you in the same spirit, I'm a sexually miserable man. I go out into the world of temptation every day. Women like me. I ignore them. But you are not making it easy to resist temptation. For the first time in our marriage, it is difficult to turn my face the other way. I do it. But it used to be a no-brainer. It was easy. For the first time in our marriage, if a man were to ask me, isn't marriage great? I wouldn't know how to answer him. Now, I'm a sexually frustrated man who is not happy in his marriage bed. You are a wonderful mother and a great person. You are better than this. I respect you too much not to give you notice of my feelings. I thought you deserved a warning shot across your bow. Now, sir, I give you no ultimatum. I'm just telling you that you are losing my heart, my passion, even my affection. You do that with that information, whatever you choose. You will not lose me either way, but think how much you'll gain if you change your heart and regain mine. At that point, Sarah had a clear choice. Live with a committed but unhappy husband, or live in joy with a committed and happy husband. She chose the happy husband, and has never regretted it, nor have I. End quote. On the marriage bed form, Job's post was considered de rigueur reading for, for refused spouses. To recap, Job's shot across the bow. You have heard how one man approached his wife to address the sexless nature of his marriage. He made a direct appeal to his wife, and in his case, he told her that the choice was hers, that while he would not divorce, that it was possible that she would live with the knowledge that she would lose the love of her husband. And as you heard, this talk changed the marriage. I've recounted in one of my past blog posts how wife and I had the talk on New Year's Eve 2010, and how it cleared up a massive misunderstanding. The talk absolutely can have an impact on a marriage, but there is no guarantee that every instance of the talk 
will bring about a change so efficaciously. There is more to discuss, and in my next post, I want to present another version of the talk, again from the old marriage bed forum, known as the end of normal life. I also want to present and discuss boundaries and possible courses of action that may be used in connection with the talk. As I close, I want to give you links to resources relating to today's podcast. First is an article written by a former gatekeeper. Go to the Forgiven Wife blog and use the search function to find the article Keeper of the Gate. It's by Chris Taylor of the Forgiven Wife blog and is an explication and analogy from Song of Solomon on the consequences of gatekeeping. Next, go to Jay Parker's Hot, Holy, and Humorous blog and search for her post entitled Be Your Husband's Sure Thing. Yes, I know this isn't addressed to refused spouses, but it gives voice and shape to the anxiety that the refused feel. For your information, both Chris Taylor and Jay Parker are Christian writers, so if that puts a hole in your dinghy, don't bother going there. Others, you'll find some good material on both sides. In my next post, I'm going to present another letter composed by Job entitled The End of Normal Life. By the way, for those interested in reading about the spreadsheet kerfuffle from a few years back, go to Google and search on the phrase sex spreadsheet email. You'll get plenty of hits. That's today's show. Thanks for listening. Drop by eliasm.org to learn a whole lot more about sexless marriages and what to do about them. Or just find a sympathetic ear. That's I-L-I-A-S-M dot org. We're sorry you tuned in, but do it again soon. The Addressing the Sexless Marriage essay series is written by CSL and can be found at curmudgeonlylibrarian.wordpress.com. This podcast was narrated and edited by Mirror Orchid. The intro and outro music is sampled from the instrumental Drown in Thoughts on the album Illusions by X Tickerex, whose name I may be butchering. Available at freemusicarchive.org. This episode of Refused is not brought to you by McPizza. Taste the pizza described by a casino of Cody, Wyoming as shockingly acceptable. Ten minutes may be longer than your usual McDonald's order, but if you had the time, it was worth a try. Or so I've heard. Pick one up at a McDonald's near you. As long as it's in Orlando, Florida, the only place they supposedly still sell them? So long. You're not alone. It'll be okay. I need a better sign-off.